Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. As we talk today about the Israelites facing the Red Sea, we're going to talk a lot about underdogs and how much we love the underdog story, right? We love the story of Moses and the Red Sea. We like the idea of him, you know, leading hundreds of thousands of people through the Red Sea to be delivered from Pharaoh's army. But beyond even Bible stories, we love stories of underdogs. I have a few examples. First one, one of the most iconic underdog stories of all time, Rocky, right? Southpaw, from South Philly, rises up to beat Apollo Creed. That's pretty awesome, right? How about this? Maybe some of you will recognize this one. If you're a basketball fan, you might recognize this. This is from the movie Hoosiers. A small Indiana school goes on to win the state title in one of the biggest basketball states in the country. Great underdog story. This one, this one gets a lot of flack, but I still love it. Rudy, right? Come on, man. That's a great story. That scrappy little guy fighting his way and getting carried off the team by getting carried off the field by his team at Notre Dame. Awesome. Stacy's favorite movie, Karate Kid. <laughs> she hates the Karate Kid. Can you believe that? Everybody loves Daniel. Mr. Miyagi. Wax on. Wax off. I love that, man. How about this one? More recent, The Blind Side. Right, Michael Orr rises up from nothing to be a great offensive tackle, right? Protect that quarterback. Dunkirk, the story of thousands, thousands and thousands of British troops stuck and merchant vessels and military vessels crossed the channel to pick them all up and get them back home. This one maybe you're not familiar with, but it's a, it's a great story as well, Joy. It's a story of a woman who invented that self-ringing mop and went on HVC and kind of, she came from nothing, and then she, she goes on uh, the Home Shopping Network or whatever that is, and, and she, she sells millions of these mops and becomes super rich. We also like rags or riches stories, but that's a whole other sermon, all right? And lastly, this is one of our, our favorite most recent movies, Hidden Figures. Three African-American women in the South during a time where there's still segregation and a lot of problems in our country regarding race, uh, really become a foundation for our trip to the moon. And it's a great, great story. If you've never seen this movie, it's a great story, great underdog story. Americans love underdog stories. Do Germans like underdog stories, Marcel? Yeah, everybody, right? Everybody likes an underdog story. And Moses and the Israelites is a real underdog story. Here they are in captivity. They're in slavery for many, many years. And God moves in miraculous ways, as Don said, miraculous ways to ensure the delivery of the Israelites from Pharaoh. And after Pharaoh lets them go, he starts to kind of rethink his decision, and he, he pursues them. And he is, he, is, he is pursuing them with the intent to either enslave them or wipe them out again. Now today we're going to be working in Exodus chapter 13 through 15, 
and we're going to be skipping around quite a bit, actually. But where we find ourselves today in this story is the Israelites have left. They've plundered the Egyptians. They're making their way out, and God is going to lead them back to the land of Abram, okay? And as they're being led out, they come across the Philistines. They're just about ready to hit where the Philistines are, and God says, uh, no, these people are not quite ready for war yet. Okay, to go through, push through here. Remember, they were just enslaved. They were working who knows how many hours a day, making bricks without straw, with no help. They're tired. They're famished. They've got their children with them, their animals with them. And so God is like, no, we're not going to lead them this way. And so they come to the place where they are hemmed in by the Red Sea and the Philistines. But God shows himself in just a mighty way. See, when we're hemmed in, when we feel like there's no way out, God, God shows up. God shows up and God does instantly what we could never do. He instantly swings the odds in our favor. The underdog is no longer the underdog. Every sea will part. Every giant will fall. God shows up. And so here they are between a rock and a hard place, literally, And they have nowhere to go. And they're looking out at the sea and they're like, what is going to happen? What are we going to do? And God is leading them to cross the Red Sea. Now here, this is pretty pretty awesome. Let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. and um, For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Verse 20. And they moved from Succoth and encamped at Etham. On the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. God delivers himself, we're going to learn to, excuse me, delivers his people in three different ways for three different reasons. And we're going to learn about those today. But first, God delivers his people through his guidance. God guides his people. The Lord was in a pillar of cloud before them in the daytime and a pillar of fire by night. There was no mistaking the manifest presence of God in where he was leading them. Now, how many of you would say, I think it would be really easy to follow Jesus if he would just show up and basically lead me by the hand where I'm supposed to go, right? It would seemingly be pretty easy to follow the Lord that way. Or if there was a pillar of cloud and you showed up for work and all of a sudden got cloudy in your cubicle and there you are because you're following the Lord. It would also, you would think, instill great confidence, right? I mean, to see the manifest glory of God leading his people, that's, it's awesome. And it wasn't just a cloud by day, but it was a pillar of fire By night, the cloud, you know, keeping them from being scorched by the sun, the fire illuminating the night, 
so that they would not stumble along the way. Church, when Jesus came to earth and he lived among us, before he departed, he said, it's better for you that I go. Why? Why on earth would it be better for us that the Son of God would depart? And he says, he follows up with that and he says, so that the paraclete or the helper or the Holy Spirit or the counselor may come. See, Jesus came to earth to save his people from their sins. But after his work on earth was done, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he is now making intercession for the saints. And as he arrived, he sent the precious Holy Spirit. Church, we have a pillar of cloud. We have a pillar of fire in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't leave us alone. He didn't abandon us to fend for ourselves, but he gave us the Holy Spirit. And we relegate the Holy Spirit to some kind of slot machine or errand boy for God, but the Holy Spirit is a person, a person, fully God. As much as Jesus and the Father, the Holy Spirit is God. And he is here among us to lead us, to guide us, to empower his people. It is the indwelling Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus was on the face of the earth, he could be at one place and one, at one time, right? He could be with his disciples or he could be with the crowds, but he couldn't be with both, right? He couldn't just like take them away and be somewhere else completely different. The Holy Spirit is not constrained like that. The Holy Spirit can be in each one of us, can be moving in each one of us, can be moving in each one of our homes simultaneously. This is awesome. It is better for us as the church. Galatians 5.25 says it this way, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, Christian denominations vary widely in their view of the person of the Holy Spirit. Some totally ignore his work today, right? We call that cessationism. Basically, that the Holy Spirit that the work of the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders and manifestations, that's over. There's no more healing. There's no tongues. There's no prophecy. There's none of that. That's all gone. That's called cessationism. And then there's this other side that would say it, Holy, the Holy Spirit is everything. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. If you, don't, if, you don't, if, if, if you can't pick up a snake and not get bit, you're not a Christian, right? You have this other side. But in the middle, in the middle, you have this you have biblical, a biblical view of the Holy Spirit. See, it's not the far left and it's not the far right side. It's, it's the middle here. The Holy Spirit is a person. This person given to us to live inside our hearts, to lead and guide the Christian that we might follow him. But some of us, we grow up in this discipline where the Holy Spirit is never talked about. And, and when you come to a church like this, and I'm talking about the Holy Spirit a lot, and it's freaking you out, and just the word tongues freaks you out, and just a lot of stuff freaks you out. You get freaked out really easy, right? Take too many offerings, you're freaked out. I mean, a lot of things. But if you look through the Bible, the New Testament especially, and you look at every reference to the Holy Spirit... You know, even John prophesied that Jesus would come and he would baptize in the Holy Spirit and in fire. From the very beginning, I mean, the Holy Spirit cannot be taken out of the equation. And the Holy Spirit works in his people in supernatural ways. The things that Dawn has testified to today, 
a lot of you have testimonies as well, and we'd love to hear them as a body. It's encouraging to me. It's encouraging to your brothers and sisters, and we want to hear those things. But the things that she testified to today, prayer for a long time and then seeing that deliverance, that's awesome. And it, it doesn't have to be isolated. It doesn't have to be one or two occasions. I would put it to you today that I believe that this is what God wants all the time. All the time. If we would just let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, quit being afraid of Him, quit being afraid of supernatural things, quit being afraid of God doing things that we can't explain to our friends, and just start trusting Him and whatever that means, I think we'd be way better off. I know we would be way better off. We'd be a church that's once again empowered to do something. Right? Not a church just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back, but a church that's actually engaged in ministry. So he, I think another interesting thing about the way God's leading them is we, you know, we do love these stories and, uh, of, of, of Moses and the Israelites and, of course, all the, the movies that we talked about. We love these underdog stories. But it doesn't feel all that great when you're in the midst of that, you know? And you're like, God, I'm following you. You're leading me. I distinctly heard you. I know I'm where you called me to be. But to be honest with you, this sucks. This, this is horrible, right? I mean, the Egyptians, with all of their chariots and all of their swords and all of their trained army, is right behind us. And in front of us is the sea, the sea. We've got our babies. We've got our, we've got our children. We've got our animals. We've got everything. We, you know, they were so weighed down with gold, not one of them could have swam across. You know? What are we supposed to do? Isn't this, I see the pillar, here we are. I want to tell you that sometimes God does lead us into these circumstances. And we like to think of God as this absolute pure blessing machine who is just always, you know, leading us to smiles and giggles and tickle fights. And that's not really the way it works. Sometimes God is leading us and we get to a place and we stop and we look around and we're like, what is going on? Where am I? How did I get here? This is a mess. I am hemmed in on every side, and I feel like there's no escape. I want to tell you that sometimes God allows us to be led in these things. Sometimes he purposes us for us to be led in these areas that we might get on our knees and pray and cry out to God. See, when, we come to, when you come to something like the Red Sea, now some of you have never experienced anything like this, but a lot of you have. These circumstances that there seems no way out. And then God intervenes and does something really supernatural. And maybe you've tried to explain it away and rationalize it, but really when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, God did something supernatural. I want to tell you that, that those supernatural acts, sometimes they come on their own, but a lot of times they are hastened by prayer. They are hastened by complete dependence upon God. See, God is a jealous God, and He wants us for His own. He doesn't want us serving idols. He doesn't want us giving ourselves over to lesser things. See, it's for your benefit. God's not narcissistic. He's the best. He's the greatest. He is the great I Am. He's the God of the bush. He's the God of the sea. 
He's the God who came to redeem his people from their sins. And he is the greatest. And so many times we will settle for what we can see and touch and make idols of these things. God is not wanting us to worship idols. He's wanting us to worship him. And once in a, once in a while, you're going to come across circumstances that you can't think your way out of, that you can't work your way out of, that you can't marriage counsel your way out of, that you can't just get out of without a supernatural move of God. And the only thing you can do is pray. And you think, I hate, I hate even saying that. You know, like, People come to you with a problem. Well, I, I, I don't know what I can do, but I can pray for you. Like, that's our last resort. Like, that's our consolation prize. But you know that's not true. You know it's not true. The most important thing we can do is pray. The most, in, the most powerful thing we can do is pray. I think... Man, when we come across the Red Sea situations in our lives, we know we've reached some Christian maturity when our first instinct is to fall on our knees. We know that we've reached at least some level of maturity when we, come, when we even see the Red Sea from miles off. The first thing we do is start hitting our knees and praying. And I tell you what you'll find is that as you fall on your knees as uh, the situations arise and, and desperation gets a hold of you. And as you mature in your faith and, and age, you will you'll find it easier to get on your knees. You'll find it second nature to fall on your knees. And you will be a people of, I think, what Paul spoke of, pr- people who pray without ceasing. People whose instinct is to pray. People whose heart is to pray and invoke God's name. God is still leading his people. He will not leave you as orphans. He has given us the Holy Spirit. So in Exodus 14, we continue the story. Verses 1 through 4, when they actually crossed the Red Sea. 14.1 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of some town between Migdal and the sea, in front of another town. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. Verse 3, for Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And he did so. God is demonstrating a couple of things and getting glory in a couple of different ways. Number one, God is demonstrating to Egypt that Israel are his people, right? There's not going to be one person in Israel after the crossing of the sea alive who doubt that Israel are God's people, right? He's demonstrating to them. He's also demonstrating to Israel that I am your God, right? I am before you in the pillar, of cloud, I'm, I'm with you in the pillar of fire, but as I split the sea, you're going to know I'm God. Now, again, I look back at the Israelites and I say, man, it would be really easy to follow the Lord if I saw him split the sea. Like, I would never doubt again. But the truth is, God has done miracles, maybe not in your mind, but in my mind, equal to that. You know, it, number one, in my salvation, in my salvation alone, God has moved heaven and earth. I really, and I really believe that. 
But in all the subsequent things, healings in our lives and deliverance and provision and all these things, God has shown himself many times. But you know what? I, I still felt face temptation. I still, I'm still tempted to kind of look behind or worship idols and forget quickly all that the Lord has done. We are a people who often say, what have you done for me lately? Who forget the mighty things of God. But here God is delivering them. He's already established in them to remember the Passover, the deliverance from the Egyptians, uh, the, the Egyptian slavery. And he wants them to remember that. And I want you to know that God wants you to remember these big moments of your life, not in a nostalgic, like God's done with me way, but to remember the heights from which you had fallen and where God had saved you, where God has brought you to. And though they face the Red Sea, you know that their faith has to be somewhat built up after the 10 plagues. After seeing the pillar, they have to be at least, you know, somewhat trustworthy of God. But they are a people who are stiff-necked and hard-hearted at times and instantly start grumbling. But the miracles of God confirm his word. He has said that he is going to deliver them out of Egypt. And this is important because as we weigh miracles today, as we look at signs and wonders today, uh, an area of Christian faith that is easily and oft abused, we should be weighing these signs and wonders against the authority of God's word. Amen? Because signs and wonders, while I believe they exist today, I still believe God heals, I still believe God delivers, I still believe in speaking in tongues and in prophecy. I believe in these things, but they bring glory to God right? And they line up with God's word. See, all of these things are still done by people, right? They're still like, you know, you got miracle working ministries where guys travel all over the country and somehow entice desperate people to come in and he's going to pray for them and, and he is going to heal them, right? And if you send me X amount of dollars, You'll, I'll send you miracle healing water and you'll get your healing. A lot of times it's a financial miracle so that you can give more money and then so on and so on and so on. And if you listen to any of these guys' ministry for about two seconds, you realize that this is not about God at all. It's about them. It's about them. But God delivers his people. God does miracles in his people for his glory. For his glory. It's not the preacher. It's not the pastor. It's not the ministry. It's God. And if the emphasis is on anything other than God, then there's a problem. See, I, I reference this illustration a lot because it is, this was a turning point in my life. The moment we moved from our old location to this location, now two and a half years ago, we've been in this location. Um, it was a monumental thing. It was a huge deal. And I've shared this before. I was very skeptical of the move's success. I was actually, it was the, the leadership at the time, the board, your advisory council, those members of the team who were really pushing for this move because I didn't see financially how we could do it. But God, I, but one thing God, a couple of things God did. Number one, he brought me to my knees. Every, I mean, when situations like that comes up, I was praying every single day for a long time for specific this specific thing so that we could look around today and see a hundred people gathered in this location worshiping Jesus. I mean, that was the prayer. But outward, I was scared. And there was no way 
there's no way anybody who was here at that moment would ever say, look where your pastor led you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't about me, and God made sure it wasn't about me. He made absolutely sure it wasn't about me, and I thank God for even his mercies in that. That it wasn't your pastor who could say, well, I just saw this, and I had a vision, and I just led the people here. Nope, not really. I kind of came kicking and screaming. But there's no way that it could be, you know, like, okay, you know, and sometimes pastors, they start believing their own press. They start kind of looking, you know, I'm the man of God, and this, and this, and this, and they put undue pressure on themselves, and they become these people that they can never, like a vision of themselves they could never live up to, and they become depressed. Some of them even commit suicide, and they get, or they get in places where they're, they think they're above the law. The thing is, each one of us is called to something. This is what I'm called to. There are, believe me, there are plenty of days I wish I wasn't. Just like whatever you're called to, there's plenty of days you wish you weren't called to that. You wish you weren't in the place you're in. But the truth is, I can only bear fruit for God where I am and what he's called me to. And that's the same situation for you. Maybe you're in a command. Maybe you're in a job. Maybe you're in a situation, even in your marriage, where you're just unhappy. I want to tell you, you are to bloom where you are planted. That is more than an idiom. That is, you are exactly where God wants you to be. And if you're having trouble, stop complaining. Stop looking over, try, look at, trying to see the other side of the sea but just start taking a step forward from where you're at. Start moving forward. I, this isn't really in my sermon, but there's a point where God says in verse 15 of chapter 14, he says this, The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel, go forward. Church, this is a message for you today. We can look at our circumstances, we can look at them stacked against us, and we can be afraid. We can come against things that seem insurmountable and we can cower back in fear or we can listen to the word of the Lord and follow his leading and go forward. Church, that's what God's calling us to today. Too often we look back. Too often we remember when. I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I'm not kidding on days like this. I dream of Texas skies. <laughs> right? It's true. But I, I know, I know for a fact, I am exactly where God wants me to be. And his command, it, this spoke to me all week, Matt, go forward. Matt, go forward. Church, go forward. And one minute he brings them to their knees, and another minute he says, get up, go forward. See, that's important. Prayer should never replace, never be an excuse for not doing anything, Right? God has given us hands, he's given us feet, he's given us sound mind. And when we pray and we hear from the Lord, we must stand up in the faith and sovereignty of God and go forward. He delivers people for his glory. This is so important as well when we receive that answer, when God gives us what we ask for, that we testify to God's glory. We don't ham and haw, well, I guess somehow it just worked out. Did you pray over it? Did you believe God for it? Then you tell people, God did this. God did this. We are to bring glory to God. And a lot of the, if, as you go through the reading this week and the devotional, you're going to come along a lot of passages, parents, where God tells people, teach your children what God has done. 
Tell your children what God has done. This is so important. Because for so too many Christian homes, the primary method by which the gospel, gospel message is conveyed is happening right behind me in kids' church. And we neglect this idea of Deuteronomy 6.4, where I think it's 6.4, where God says, the word of the Lord should be upon your lips constantly. And you're coming and you're going when you sit down to eat, when you're with your children. Parents, parents, parents are the primary messengers of the gospel to their children. It's your responsibility. It's not all ball games in school. It's also this. This training up a child in the way they should go. I hope that every single parent is not just teaching their kids how to do laundry and cook and take care of themselves. Remember, you're, you're growing up little adults, right? One day, these, the, every single young man should learn how to cook. I believe this, okay? They should learn to take care of themselves instead of going out when they're 18 and try to find another mama, right? Learn to take care of yourself, right? And it's the same thing spiritually, we have generations of children that are coming up in the church that have no idea how to be a Christian because we just took it for granted. Well, they go to kids' church every week, right? They're Christians. I don't, I don't think it works that way, right? We've got to be keeping that in front of them. And more importantly, we have to be parents and adults who say, Tommy, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you are setting the example in how to live for Christ. And when you mess up, you're showing how to be, repent. You're, so, you're, you're showing how to say, I'm sorry. But you're teaching your children the ways to follow the Lord. You're teaching them to go forward. You're teaching them to follow Jesus. This brings me to our third point, And we get to Exodus 14, 13. Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. This so illustrates what it means just to follow the Lord. Because we think we can predict his actions and his movements and what he wants us to do here. He's telling him to be quiet in the very next verse. He's telling him to go forward. We have to be sensitive to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Because God ultimately delivers his people through his power. So he says, stand firm. In church, we are called to stand firm in the promises of God no matter what the circumstances. First Samuel says this, the battle is the Lord's. The battle's the Lord's. He will give you into our hand. I don't know about you, but I'm a planner. I'm an organizer. I'm a, I like strategery, right? And when circumstances, I don't like chaos. And this came up in our growth group uh, last week, talking about why different people respond to chaos in different ways. Now, I can handle chaos okay, but I don't like it, and I'll do a lot to try to prevent that chaos. And a lot of it's, you know, is me not listening to this verse, just standing firm and trusting the Lord. I talk when I should be quiet. I do when I should be still from time to time. But the battle is the Lord's. You know, the salvation of your family member is not your responsibility, parents, right? You got kids like Clinton, Don, who are grown and making their own decision. This 
let me tell you, Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. And he is pursuing them. He is pursuing them. We need to trust the Lord, get on our knees and pray and pray. And when we're, when we're witnessing in our workplace or in our school, how dare we ever utter the name of Christ to somebody else without first praying for them, right? Or praying at least for God to open doors and windows of opportunity in that day. Lord, give me the words to speak, that we would not speak in our own wisdom, our own power, but in the wisdom and power of God. Amen. We must remember that God is God and I am not. In the midst of our difficulties, nothing is impossible. Luke says it like this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Nothing will be impossible for God. Luke 137. Today you may be hemmed in. You may have circumstances behind you, pushing you in a direction you don't want to go, but where you're going doesn't feel very good either. And you feel hemmed in on every single side with no good options. Church, this is sound advice. This is good advice. And this is what we see in our story today. Pray, stand firm in your faith, and when God says move, go forward. Go forward. The whole duty of a Christian is obedience to God's word and to move forward in his guidance. When the cloud moves, move. I've heard a wonderful sermon one time about just staying under the cloud. Staying under the cloud, just following God wherever he is leading, no matter how scary, no matter how different it may be. You know, for all of our military members, one day you're 20, you're 25 is going to be up. And you're going to be like, okay, what do I do now with the rest of my life, which is a big chunk of it left? What do I do? The door behind you is closing. The door before you is unknown. You don't know where you're going. And I see, I see this over and over and over, scrambling, sending out resumes. Not one word of prayer ever uttered. God has your future in his hands. He knows exactly what's best for you. Don't, isn't that where you want to be? Isn't that where you want to be? Exactly where God wants you, even if it's in a situation where you think you might be uncomfortable. If that's where God wants you, where else would you want to be? Where else would you want to be? Be in the center, in the palm of his hand. He alone is worthy of this elite, this kind of allegiance, this kind of blind following him. Because we know he is God, we're not. He has our best interests at heart and the best interests of those around us at heart. So just do what he's calling you to do. We must trust in the power of God to deliver us. I mean, what if, what if Moses would have split the sea and the Israelites are like, well, I see the opening, but what if we get halfway in the middle and it falls apart and it comes crashing down on us? A lot of us, you know, God has opened huge doors of opportunity, but we're afraid what might happen when we step halfway through, that it might all come crashing down and, and we, be, we end up looking like failures. We fear that. We fear that something awful. But we have to trust in the sovereignty of God. God let him, I think what's awesome about this story, one, another thing that's awesome about the story, I should say, is that God led them in these circumstances and he's going to lead them out. We have to believe that, church. If God leads us in some circumstances that are uncomfortable for us and we're willing to follow him into those circumstances, then he's going to lead us out. Now, a lot of times we get in circumstances that are our own creation, 
And by God's mercy and by his grace, he also gets us out of those. Somebody say amen. amen. Right? He gets us out of those. But when God leads us into situations that are uncomfortable for us or even a hardship for us, for his glory, he will be sure to care for us while we're there and lead us out. We have to trust that. We have to trust that. See, Jesus, after he was baptized in the river, you know, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, he didn't just go out and start healing people. He spent 40 days in the desert. And let me tell you, those times in the desert, those times at the Red Sea, the times where you are just desperate for God, they make that victory oh that much sweeter. We just And we know and we give glory to God and we just honor him in it. Church, move forward. I couldn't think of a better... You know, this is just where this lands, but what an apt sermon to start 2019, right? Are you stuck spiritually? Are you stuck? Start moving. Go forward. Amen. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.